0: Cactus Plant Flea Market Box has arrived at McDonald's. Order one and get a unique box with your choice of a Big Mac or 10-piece Chicken McNuggets and get fries, a drink, and one of four collectibles. I'd participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.
1: When artist Yamandu Canosa knocks on Salvador Dali's door, what happens next? Enter the world of contemporary art in a new special exhibit. Now at the Dali Museum. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off.
2: And now, it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we got to bring on Facebook. Let the stream breathe here, just for a few seconds bear with us. and we are good welcome in everybody to the huddle up podcast presented as always by mile high huddle and powered by overtime media i'm your host chad jensen with me as always my partner in crime you know him you love him he is zach kelberman zach the uh quarterback smoke signals emanating from dove valley have been curious this week you've covered it quite well in detail uh, and in-depth at mileheadle.com with all the articles covering Drew Locke's availability. But long story short, as we talked about last night, all eyes would be on whether or not Locke would show any progress. Practice-wise, on Thursday, he did. He was a limited participant, but he participated in individual and split some reps in, during team period with Brett Rippin, and then the Broncos went out and made Brett Rippin available as well as Locke to media via you know Zoom press conference after practice. So what's your read on this thing as, as we start inching closer to Sunday?
3: Well, this gives him a, at least a shot to start against the Dolphins. If he was a DNP for a second consecutive day, he's not going to play without any reps. So at least getting a limited practice in, it gives him a shot to play. And I think that was always the plan all along because because Fangio came out and said it on Monday after the loss. He said, Locke's our guy going forward. We have to see what we have in him. So unless the order came down from John Elway to start Ripping it's going to be Locke. Now, though, I, I do think splitting reps and, and keeping ripping in the picture despite Locke's improvement, I think that's a message to Drew saying, Nothing is handed to you anymore. We have another quarterback who we feel more comfortable with if an emergency arises. Fangio said it. He's comfortable with Rippon playing on limited reps, but he wouldn't let Locke play on limited reps. What does that say? What does that indicate to number three? He's going to have to fight now to reclaim what's his. I do think, though, still, if he's limited tomorrow, Locke, he will start Sunday. But going forward, Chad, his rope went from this long to about this big.
2: Let me tell you something. You are 100% right. Drew Locke woke up sore on Monday. And no big deal. It's like, you know, you play you play football. You're sometimes you're going to wake up out. In fact, most of the time, you're going to wake up the next day a little bit sore. What probably surprised Locke was that he was suddenly being told, Well, you know, let's take it easy. I don't know if you're going to be able to play this week against the Dolphins. Right. Then all of a sudden he's he watches he's he's told, No, you're gonna sit on on Wednesday. He watches Brett Rip get out there, take all the reps. And he's going, whoa! What the heck's happened? Well, they are sending a big message to Drew Lock, and I know they're 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 cognizant and they're aware of the PR optics on this thing right now. They're they're utilizing this apparent rib injury, all right, to couch what's the best way to put it for a contingency to be able to say if they decide not to play Lock, hey, we got a good reason—he's hurt. But plausible really yes. And what's really happening is they're sending the message to him. That was unacceptable, all right? Today, Pat Shermer, in his weekly press conference, I was just talking to John about this uh, buona beast right before we went live. The best word I could use, two words jumped to mind in terms of describing Pat Shermer today at the virtual podium, dejected, like very just down, all right? The other one, at at certain points, being a little bit combative in a weird passive-aggressive way, as is his want. One thing that he said, Zach, and I'll I'll pull up the quote, and right now I'm just going to paraphrase him, unacceptable as far as Drew Locke's turnovers. He emphasized that over and over and over again. You can't turn the ball over four times. And he said he's done using youth and inexperience as an excuse. He's
3: still young, though, and he is still fairly inexperienced. And this, this reeks to me of taking no accountability and taking no responsibility for his own failure as a coach. No, Locke's mistakes aren't great. The interceptions are on him. He threw the ball literally and physically, but who is calling the plays? Who is in charge of his development, his progress? That's Pat Shermer, and he hasn't taken a step forward. He's taken three steps backward. I would have loved Pat Shermer to come out and be like, it's not acceptable for me to call the plays I'm calling. It's not acceptable for me to have a quarterback that's struggling throw 47 times, give my best running back four carries. I don't know what has to be done in order for Broncos fans to come around on the fact, not the theory or the speculation, the fact that Pat Shermer
2: is not a good coach for this team. He's telling you who he is. It's time for you to believe him. Okay, let me read this. There's a few points in his conversation with media today that illustrate this, but this was his last remark, and it's just another example of the tonality and talking points that he basically attacked this virtual um, press conference with. He was asked, you know, How do you balance building up Drew Locke, you know, being aggressive and and trying to be that dynamic playmaker with also understanding that turnovers can't happen. Here's what he said, quote, we talk about it just like you questioned me on. That's really the way it is. The understanding that you can't do that. You can't turn the ball over like we did against the Raiders and expect to win games. This is like the fourth or fifth time he said that. We look at each play specifically. You take it right from the fundamentals to the decision-making and you try to improve it. I think that's what you do. None of us are patient. None of us think that turning the ball over is a good thing and we can't do it like we did last weekend and expect to win games and move forward. Closed quote. And I message Pat. to Drew Lock, Zach is, and if you can't, if we can't trust you not to turn the ball over like that, here's what happens. This is the NFL. You take a seat right. and that's what is being kind of, that's the overtures that are being kind of threatened toward Drew Locke right now. We can go through some of the things Drew had to say today in terms of you know his injury and how it's not 100% his decision. He wants to play, but he knows it's not his call. But there is definitely a message being sent to Drew this week.
3: It is, and I think you hit on that. He's saying, if you don't stop the turnovers, we'll put a quarterback in who won't commit those turnovers. Because say what you want about Brett Rippon, he won't be as erratic, he won't take the same aggressive downfield chances and stupid opportunities as Locke has done. Uh But again, though, I mean, he's repeating the same... Company line, and you have to wonder how much Fangio and how much Pat Shermer are in lockstep now. How much they're sharing a brain. It seems like what Pat Shermer is intimating is what Fangio is telling him to say or what he's saying behind closed doors. It, it this is my speculation, but it leads more credence to the fact that Pat Shermer has all the offensive power. He has all offensive autonomy. He's might as well be the second head coach of the team. And as long as he's in that position, he's not gonna accept responsibility. He's not gonna accept the blame. He's gonna delegate it to the young quarterback. What better whipping boy than a young quarterback committing turnovers right now? Pat Shermer needs to look himself in the mirror and own
2: his mistakes, not just locks. We're gonna get to more of that very issue. Pat Shermer falling on his own sword and manning up in a sense. We're gonna get to all that here in just a few minutes. Gang, today's podcast is our favorite live stream episode of the week. It is the Mile High Mailbag where Zach and I get to take a peek at what's on your mind because we are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions, and we look forward to doing that and, of course, continuing to go through some of the, some of the talking points and storylines from Broncos HQ today. But first, we do have to go through and handle a few quick matters of business as I have to go back to a different screen here really, really quick. Uh, today's live stream podcast, gang, brought to you by sportsbetting.com. SportsBetting. betting, oh, and I just realized here really quick before I get this read, I didn't I didn't queue up the, uh, the page. Hold on one second. I'm going I'm to start that over. Uh, sportsbetting.com, gang. Thank you, John. You got the code, which is Excellente. Um as you know gang gambling legal in the state of Colorado what makes sportsbetting.com the no brainer for sports fans a few things number one sharp odds low juice number two hassle free bonuses which you can roll over after one time which is unheard of in this industry number three 24/7 live customer support and it's always a real person and it's always a person in the united states but the kicker is it's free money right now at sportsbetting.com. Right now, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to 1000 bucks. And the way it works, it's not just one bet. It's all your bets. You play some wagers. You make some bets. At the end of the week, if you have losses that exceed your winnings, they'll cover those losses 100% up to $1,000. And if you got to take advantage of it. So head on over right now to sportsbetting.com slash huddle. That's sportsbetting.com dot com slash mile high huddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to a thousand bucks. And also remember you can roll that over after only one time, all right, sportsbetting.com com slash mile high huddle. All right. couple quick things here, gang, and then we'll get right back into what's on your mind in the mailbag. Follow the podcast on Twitter at huddle up pod. While you're at it, follow the main account at mile high huddle and my partners. You can see here on the screen, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL and myself, at Chad and Jensen, and then a gentle reminder gang to head on over to huddle the merch store and get your swag on, get yourself one of these foot. uh, Well, there's the football priest there's the MHH trucker hat, face mask, mugs, hoodies, t-shirts, little something for everybody, male, female kids as well. We have some stuff up there. So check it out. It's another way to support what we are doing here at MHH. Also Facebook supporters as our community, there just continues to skyrocket. If you want to support us on Facebook, it's really easy. Just go to the page, facebook.com slash mile high huddle, big blue button. In fact, if you're watching this right now on Facebook at the bottom of the chat stream, there's an option there. You click it. You can become an official supporter. It's another way to support what we're doing here. But if you're not in a position to do those things, again, we do ask these three things. We we appreciate each and every one of you that are with us now live and listening after the fact as an on-demand pod. Make sure you're subscribed, number one. Number two, like this video. It's especially crucial on YouTube and Facebook. And then the last thing is Share this out there. That's the litmus test. That's how Zach and I know whether or not we're doing a good job in your eyes is whether or not you are sharing these podcasts out there. We appreciate you, gang. Uh, Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: Broncos country, listen up. Course Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, the brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. It's never been easier to do good in the world, to do something to make a difference, and Course Hard Seltzer is paving the way by launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Course Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways are at risk. Eighty percent of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Course Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works: each 12-pack of course Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results: one billion. That's with a B, gang. Gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. Also, with Coors Heart Seltzer, you're getting four refreshing flavors, and it's one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. The Specs are in, gang. Course Heart Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I can speak from firsthand certainty that nothing
3: quite takes the sting off a tough defeat like a Coors Hard Seltzer. I know that everything will be all right, that I got my black cherry, handy, trusty Coors Hard Seltzer. For a football fan,
2: win or loss, it's the way to go. You heard it here, gang. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You, yes, you, can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It really is that simple. So visit com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 8
3: 2021 Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company,
2: Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, we have a real quick, let's grab this from Christian, a direct question for Zach. Appreciate Christian, of course, one of our longtime listeners and Super Chat superstars here at MHH. He says, when Zach said Vic Fangio would scapegoat at least one coordinator, was he referring to Tom McMahon or Pat (laughs) Shermer or both?
3: If I had it my way, I'd scapegoat both, but it's going to be one at least. And I think that guy obviously is Tom McMahon. That's what coaches do when they're trying to save their own behinds. And Vic Fangio knows he has some job security, but it's not, it's not unlimited. And a lot of it shrunk this season based on his own coaching deficits. I do, there's, there's no choice. He can't watch the film after the season and go forward for another year with Tom McMahon as the coordinator. I would not be shocked if Pat Shermer is pink slip like Scangarilla was last year after one season. But I think for sure, hopefully anyway, Tom McMahon is sent packing on uh, January 4th.
2: Yeah. At this stage, we talked a lot about this. Uh, I guess it was on last night's show. The example of Mike Zimmer, who's a very fiery guy, right? He's a very fiery head coach, very fiery coach, very fiery person. You know, when the Minnesota Vikings gave up a massive, was it a kick return or a punt return? I don't recall from coordinator. Mean, no. Either way, big return for six, right? Immediately, Mike Zimmer is jumping on his special teams coordinator in front of everybody, and you can argue. In fact, I was the the person I was with uh, when when uh, this we were I was watching that game that as it happened live. The person I was with goes, "Now that's that's effed up." I'm like, "What do you mean?" Because he's he's emasculating his own special teams coach here mm-hmm. in front of everybody. And it, it's just, it's, it's taking this, it'll take this guy's authority away from him. It makes him look bad in front of everybody else. I said, maybe there's some truth to that, but, but we don't know what's led up to this moment, right? This fork in the road. Eventually the dam broke and whatever, for whatever reason, Mike Zimmer snapped and he made an example. And it, it does set a tone and it shows that, look, unacceptable performance, unacceptable production. It comes at a cost, and sometimes that cost, act is me jumping on you in front of a nationally televised audience. Emasculating. This isn't couples therapy.
3: This is football, Chad. This is is a man's game. I mean, if you don't do your job, you're liable to get chewed out on the sideline. This is sports. This is adrenaline and testosterone and emotions and feelings. I love that Mike Zimmer did that. I love that Joe Judge had disagreement with his offensive line coach on a two-game winning streak and still fired the guy because he disagreed with his assessment. I wish Fangio... Maybe not fire a guy, but at least get in someone's face, rile someone up, you know, exert your authority on someone and have some accountability starting at the
2: top. That's all I want to see, Stu. Appreciate your wow. generosity, man. We call him Zeus, Zeus MHH. Yep. And if you look at way up through the clouds at MHH Mount Rushmore, you'll see the first face etched up there Zeus McPeak. Yeah. And this is just a small example. It's a very generous super chat, but it's a small example of why he's just, we we love you, uh, Stu, and you mean so much to us and your support. Seriously. I mean, it's it, it allows us to continue to do what we're doing here on a day-to-day basis. So appreciate you, my friend. He says, hi, rock stars. Hey, Zeus, what's up, my friend? Mile high salute to you. We love you. Appreciate you. Stu, you are a
3: foundational piece of this podcast. You've become a superstar when it coincided with us doing these lives, chat. And Stu has been here every single podcast supporting us, not just with the with the Super Chats, but in the comments, being a great Broncos fan, interacting with us. Stu, you are literally the founding father of this podcast, and we love you for it.
2: That's a good one. The founding father. I love that. I love it. Let's grab this one from Richie Richie. Even if <laughs> Locke shows progress. <laughs> I think I am thinking of Cartman and I, I, I'm guessing that's what that's what his intention was here. Richie, Richie. Even if Locke shows progress, it will not change the fact that he is injured. If Locke hurts himself and gets knocked out for the season, then what? Play Brett and sit Locke, then revert to Locke next game. Look, that's I mean, that's just the least of your concerns, to be honest with you. He's there now. You got a plan. him yep. uh, because you have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. If there is if there if he plays a role in this team in 2021 and beyond as the quarterback, love you, Stu. Um, and so it's look, seriously like I wrote about this today, Zach. That with the state of the, I mean, modern NFL medicine being what it is, if a quarterback or any player wakes up on a game day and he he's good enough to kind of go, but he's still feeling a little stiffness, a little twinge, a little pain, there are treatments and medicines on game day that these guys can be given that allow them to not be encumbered by that. So the question is, as long as it's not at risk of truly exacerbating an issue, uh, an injury and and making it worse in Locke's case, it's just bruised ribs. I don't think you have to worry about that. So play the kid. And if he continues to melt down, Zach, if, if, if Vegas was the tip of the iceberg, then you're going to get your answer sooner than later. And you can pull the plug in game against the dolphins and put bread in, but if you bench him now and another issue I wrote about in this very article right before we went live here tonight, you know, it could be it's a very fateful it could be a fateful decision. They have to be careful because it could have collateral effects on the franchise beyond just Sunday, and the wrong decision could only exacerbate what the what the problem is right now. First of all, if Drew Brees,
3: who's much older than Drew Locke, can play with a collapsed lung and actually broken ribs. There's no reason why Locke, being, what, 13, 14 years younger, cannot play with bruised ribs and strained ribs and some abdominal bruising. It's not a season-ending injury, and he has improved. That's why he's taking limited reps today. And, Chad, I am a billion percent in agreement with the point you're making here. If Locke is going to sink, let him sink on his own volition. But don't make the decision for him prematurely. Don't make it a guessing game. Find out one way or the other, even if he bombs. Okay, he bombs then, but at least you know for sure. If you don't give him the opportunity to bomb, you're never going to know for sure, and you're going to be right in the same situation you were a couple years ago. They have to play him if he's healthy. If he gets hurt again, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But as long as
2: he's willing and able to play, he has to be out there. The chat 04 jumping in on super chat. Thank you for the donation. He says, "If we have a top five pick, do we package that pick and Von Miller to get the top QB? Hate to say it, though, bald Chad's rule. <laughs> Amen, dude. There hey, I a long time ago I realized you got to embrace the bald at a certain point, right? Uh, but if we have a top five pick, do we package that pick and Von to get the top QB? That's not going to be enough, dude. I mean, what are you going to do?" Well, what are you going to do? Seriously, it's going to take two, two. Let's say you're number five. All right. You want to get to number one. You want Trevor Lawrence Two. it's going to take two ones, two twos, maybe more to get to pick number one. And you know what, Zach, I'm, I used to be a guy that was like, it's like during fantasy football season. I'm one of those guys that rarely trades and I'm a devil, you know, versus devil, you don't type of guy. And rarely do I, I decide to give up something, but and so as a result, like over the years, you see the Rams trade up to do what they're going to do and all the, the Eagles over the years and the different big blockbuster trades to get in position. I've always been very skeptical of those moves. But if you really th- believe Drew's not the answer, I'm talking about you're now in, in the spring of 2021. You got to solve that position. Trevor Lawrence, Zach, is supposed, you know, the draft picks are saying this is the next Andrew Luck, the can't miss quarterback prospect of a generation. What wouldn't you give up to get him? Go get him. If you have even a shot at getting him, mortgage the next couple of years in the draft because you already do have a very young, deep roster. How many titles did Andrew Luck win, though? And
3: This is I, I, what I hate about that hyperbole, Chad, is there's always that comparison. A generational quarterback and this and that, and they really never live up to the hype. Uh, this answer has so many layers. First of all, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence. The Jets are, if they get the number one pick, which I think they will, they've been waiting for a quarterback since Joe Namath. They're going to take him. They're not going to give him up. It depends who's number two if the Broncos don't finish there, because that's Jake Field's slot, or, or you know, two or three. If that team needs an outside linebacker, maybe they'd be open to trading Vaughn Miller for a first-round pick. But Chad's right. It's going to take more. It would take Vaughn a first and maybe a second or a future first. Those are the premium of premium positions. And I've been saying it since I've been covering this team. If Elway has enough conviction, he will go up and get his guy. I I, I don't see him mortgaging the future, though. Yeah, no, I, I think, don't either. I, I think about it now, though, Chad. Let's say he's not under contract past next season. If he mortgages the future... It's not his job after that. He might walk away. You know, he might leave it to the next guy. He might not care. I I still don't see him doing it, and it's going to depend, though, where the Broncos pick. I don't see them picking number three, but if they're picking eight, they're going to have no shot. That's Zach Wilson, Trey Lance territory. If you're talking about Jake Fields uh, or uh, Trevor Lawrence, I, I just don't see the Broncos making that
0: huge of a trade.
4: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Last spring, you chose hard-working seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort, comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed perform on your acre. Because you can't fake performance, and bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com harvest.
2: Arturo says three and six start the last four seasons. It's deeper than just the quarterback. And that's true. It is. And what makes this much another, another topic that I wrote about at a different point in this week is, you know, when thing, the, the, there's no doubting, there's no arguing that the Broncos have been inordinately cursed by the injury bug this year. Like every team has been affected by the pandemic, not only from positive tests from coaches and players, in terms of how the lack of offseason and preseason affected health and injuries and and guys getting on the same page. Every team has had to roll with those punches, but no team has been as decimated by injury as the Denver Broncos. But how do you overcome that? What's the calm in the storm? You know, what's the, where where's the lighthouse that you know the beacon that, that can guide you? It's supposed to be the coaching staff. This devolves onto a young roster, a first time. Second year, but first time starting quarterback in Drew Locke. Rookie wide receiver, rookie wide receiver. Second year tied in. Uh, rookie center. Fourth year left tackle, finally figuring things out. Second year left guard, veteran right guard. Crap show a right tackle. Some veteran help uh, at running back, but it's an extremely young offense. And then with all the injuries they suffered, most of them on defense, most of the worst ones anyway on defense, a lot of young guys playing, it devolves on the coaching staff to be that glue that keeps everything together, Zach. And maybe it doesn't result in a big winning season. How can you overcome such losses? I mean, it it was next to impossible for them to overcome Vaughn, Sutton, then Casey. I mean, just go down the list. It's Mike Purcell, one after the other. But the coaches could have at least staved off disaster if they were on point and if they were the guys who were right for these jobs. And I got to tell you, at this stage, we're sitting here now with, Nine full games of sample size to go on, Zach. I got to tell you, I don't, I am, I am more on the side of believing that none of these guys are the right guys for their jobs than I am on the other side of that,
3: right? That you're a billion percent on point, and that's a great summarization of 2020. These coaches, though, you know, weren't here a few years ago, and the one common denominator they asked where, how high it goes, it goes to Elway. That is the guy bringing in the coaches, and the coaches coach the players. But it all starts with Elway at the top. Not for this year. I think Elway did a really good job assembling the 2020 Broncos. You can criticize him, though, since they won the title for the coaches he's picked, the quarterbacks he's acquired, uh, the players he won't sign and will sign. But the one denominator here, Chad, it's not Fangio. It's not Pat Shermer or Drew Locke. It goes all the way up to
2: number 7. I want to grab this clip really quick, uh not clip, uh, question here from Diamond Ratlin. Thank you for the question for being with us here tonight. This is why Rippin should play. Is it Locke's fault or Shermer's playbook? There's only one way to find out. In other words, if if Rippin comes in and struggles, pretty obvious that it's Shermer. If he comes in and plays well, well then that that alleviates some of the some of the onus off and responsibility off of Shermer. Do you subscribe to that? No, because it was always two things. It was
3: never one or the other. So it would prove that Locke was the problem. But Pat Shermer is not exonerated if Rippon goes out there and has a decent game. And let's be realistic. We're throwing Brett Ripon, a physically less than, you know, elite quarterback, to the most aggressive defense in the NFL, the king of zero blitzing. So if you think he's going to go out there and have a 405 touchdown game, it's not going to happen. So it was never one thing or the other. I know they're tied together, Chad, but I think one thing I think most fans i I thought were clearly admitting now
2: was that it's Pat Shermer and Drew Locke. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Robot of Doom says, "Here's an idea for our offense: run the ball, please, with sprinkles on top." We'll get to that here in a second, uh, John. I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna do a share screen real quick. So Pat Shermer had the opportunity today. With the with the with the way a question was posed to him and postured, to very definitively back his young quarterback, to very definitively come out as the offensive coordinator and say, "Look, listen, I understand Drew has has been inconsistent over these last three weeks, four weeks, four weeks. He's been inconsistent, but I st- I'm still behind him. He's our guy. I understand why he's getting criticized. I understand why fans." Uh, find his performance lackluster, the four interceptions, unacceptable, all that. But he's our guy. He had the chance to do that. Zach, but instead, let me show everybody, in case you missed it, how he replied to this question. I'm going to read for those, of course, who are who are listening after the fact or listening. The question was posed to Pat, something to the effect of, "Hey, you know what? What's your take on the criticism Drew Locke is getting and how people are quick to rush to judgment? Is he a bust? Is it time to move on?" Do the Broncos need to find someone in the future at quarterback, et cetera, et cetera? How do you respond? He goes, well, that's, quote, this is Pat Shermer. quote, that's not for me to decide. I just keep working with the players that we have and and try to keep getting everybody that's out there better. That's the same at all positions. I think you don't categorize that type of stuff. In the offseason, there's discussions on all those things, but we've just got to keep, everybody cuts himself off, has got to get better. Everybody's got to improve. I think Drew's made strides this year, but there's certainly areas where we can still improve. Talk about like not even a passing, you know, vote of confidence. That was was like the most limp noodled um, reply. I mean, this was his opportunity and it tells you where he's at with Drew. And it might tell you, unfortunately, where the team's at with Drew.
3: He could have just said the four words he was saying in that whole spiel there. It's not my fault. He was removing himself from all responsibility for the offensive struggles. He was basically also saying, I can only coach the players that are given to me. So you can take a shot at the front office. You can interpret it that way. I I think Fangio and Pat Shermer are in lockstep. I think they've unified. And I'm not saying there's a riff with the front office with the thinking there, but all Pat Shermer said was, I can only do what I can do with the quarterbacks that you give me. And he has to be better. No No word, not even a thought about maybe I need to be better. I have to call better plays. I have to get Drew into a rhythm. I have to be the quarterback guru that the Broncos hired me to be. But you know
2: that's uh that's beyond his pay grade. Let me grab this one on Facebook real quick. Oh oh, actually no, we we threw Poppy on. Throw throw Poppy on. We'll grab Ovani's after. Throw Poppy back on, John. I didn't see that. If you still have, I don't know if you. Well, I'll grab Ovani's then. We'll grab Poppy in just a second. On Facebook, he says, hey, guys, been a while since been here live. One question for you, is Rippon going to start? Now, we don't know. So let's just take this opportunity to make a bold prediction since this is our the last time our, our audience will be able to hear from us. I mean, we'll be writing and stuff between now and Sunday. But on the podcast, what's your prediction? Reading the tea leaves, what happens? Here's what I think.
3: Locke is going to start this game, but at the first sign of trouble, the first turnover, the first pick, the first inefficiency—he's going to be pulled from the game, and Brett Rippen will come in. They're getting Rippen ready to play, not necessarily to start. Locks and to get this is his, you know, final shot here, his final chance. He will start Sunday, but I think if he starts struggling, or he gets hurt again, or if he he just he can't play, uh, Brett Rippen will come into this game. There'll be no uh,
2: thought about it. I'll be stunned, seriously, because Drew Lock looked fine out there throwing today, and I understand that. Let's just give everyone a perfect benefit of the doubt, just for a second, and they're truly concerned about Drew's ribs. All right, let's just believe that for a second. He looked fine out there. He did not look like you know oh, pulling it early in pain. And then you add Friday. You you add a Thursday night's sleep. Right, our bodies heal up and do a lot of repair while, we're, while we while we sleep. Then you got Friday. Then you got Saturday. Then game day. I would be stunned if Drew Locke, does not start this game. And if at the same time, Zach, and I agree with you, he'll be on the shortest of leashes because if nothing else this week, the way it's unfolded at practice, the way the talking points have evolved from Vic Fangio on, on Sunday night post game, immediately saying, no, Drew's our guy. You know, we're going to get through this, blah, 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 blah. To suddenly Brett's taken first team to suddenly he's talking with the, the um, with the media and Drew's out there throwing and everyone can see, I mean, look, you can pull up the, the clips right now on Twitter, all right, and see Drew looked fine out there. No one's dumb. No one's ha- no one has the wool pulled over their eyes here. The Broncos are sending a message to Drew Locke right now and it's put up or shut up. Our patience is has worn thin. So I'm with you, Zach. I'll be stunned if Drew doesn't start, but he will be on a short leash. And I'm not just talking about, you know, if he comes out and it's typical first half struggles in terms of, you know, a three and out, a three and out. And then a field goal, three and out, a three and out, another field goal. That's not going to get him bench But the first interception, yanked, done.
3: I can even see it where he throws a pick, and they say, "Okay, well, maybe it was. It could be a deflected pass. It could be a wonky pass." But then the next series, they come out, they go three and out. You got to put Ripping in the game. the The basic message they're sending is nothing going forward. Even full team reps in practice this week, nothing going forward will be handed to you anymore. You have to prove, and you have to work for everything you get. That's the message they're sending to Locke. He will start Sunday, boring his health. But Chad and I are both in agreement here. As soon as he starts struggling, if he does, and considering the defense they're playing, Chad, it's not just a possibility; it's a probability. Locke will struggle in this game. So you're looking at a good chance, Rippin. For those fans out
2: there, you'll see him anyway on Sunday. All right, let me grab this one, John. I don't know. I know John just DM'd me. There, there she is. I was going to say, let's get Bobby wow. on here. Just. Wow such extreme generosity and it, it just blows us away every time and Poppy can't you know her job the way it, it is she can't be in every single stream but she always makes her presence felt and supports mhh when she is in the stream so poppy we love you and uh, words can't express how much we do appreciate what you do to keep this content coming for for us and for everybody listening and watching right now so thank you poppy as uh, she says showing some love stay safe healthy and strong go broncos Way up there, uh, way up there in Mount Rushmore, Chad, Poppy, very
3: well-deserved place, and uh, you, your, your gratitude is is, is uh, so amazing to us, and we hope you're doing well, healthy, safe as well, enjoying life and everything going on. So, thank you so much.
2: And Poppy, we hope your family's doing okay. Yes, so it's your, we know you're a big family, family girl, and how close and, and tight knit your family is. So, uh, best wishes to you and yours. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
4: Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Sir King,
2: 31, jumping in. Appreciate the super chat, my friend. Locke's poor footwork may be impacting the run game. He struggles getting the ball out on time in play action, making us one-dimensional under center. And there is some truth to that in terms of, remember we talked about this on the gut reaction, Zach, and then again on the Aftermath pod this week, but... Whether it's a, a direct drop back from under center, if it's a shotgun snap or play action, if he's rolling out, even if he's staying in the pocket and it's a play fake, his decision making has always been lately, I shouldn't say always because that's an absolute, but lately it has been a half beat too slow. And oftentimes because it ends up being a half beat too slow, he doesn't trust what he sees, then he holds on to it too long, and then worse things happen, or he throws into double coverage or whatever the case might be. It does have on impact on the running game, but Sturking, do not in any way, shape, or form try and blame Pat Shermer and the offensive lines. Absolute Thank you. uninterest in, I should say disinterest, in establishing committing to the run game. That's the thats the one thing, dude, you can't blame Drew on.
3: He's to be blamed for everything, Chad. He's like a certain politician that we know. Uh, the thing with Locke, though – he gets the blame here, but not Pat Shermer. I know you guys hate me talking about Shermer complaining, but not Pat Shermer for not getting Philip Lindsay the carries he needs to get or not running him the right way. And no blame for the offensive line when you have a left guard, a center, a right guard, and a right tackle all struggling to get pushed in the trenches. That's why the running game is struggling. You can nitpick, and you can find a way to fit your narrative. These straw man arguments, if you hate Locke enough, you will find a way to blame him. But like Chad hit on, and I'm intimating right now, the offensive line and the situational play calling, that is the bigger detriment to the running game. They were fine in 2018. Phillip Lindsay was a 1,000-yard Pro Bowl
2: back. What happened since then? By the way, I just want to throw this back up. Happy birthday to you, Kenneth, one of our superstars. Yes. joins a stake, hopefully. At this Brazilian steakhouse. Happy birthday to you, my Happy friend. Yeah, We do we'll appreciate that. Um Rich, Chad, Zach, what do we do if Brett plays and wins? We'll, we'll we'll grab we'll grab Dave next. Hold on, hold that there, John. One second. What do we do if Brett plays and wins? Whoop, there it goes again. I think he's having some problems. Um, but wins ugly, wins and looks great. So if 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 Brett comes out and just lights it up against the Dolphins and wins. Look, man, the Broncos are just going to stick with him because it's just been that bad. If Drew Zach had been these last four games, five games, well, let's just say since he came back from his shoulder. Like, if he had been the guy in all these games that he was, even in the Patriots game, where he put the team in multiple positions to succeed, dropping dimes early on, made a couple of bad decisions late, but they hung on to win. If it was that kind of a performance type, you know, that that was kind of the average. I think that if Drew's injured and Brett comes in and plays well, they still go back to Drew the next week. But because it has been just so erratic and coming off a a game, Zach, in which he not only got banged up, Drew, but threw four picks. I mean, fans and the team alike, I mean, they're just impatient. They've had enough. The first sign of quarterback competency, that's what the team and the fans are going to cling to.
3: Yeah, if Rippon does start this game, which I think is unlikely, and he beats the Dolphins, which I think is unlikelier, I don't think the Broncos, considering how bad Locke has looked recently, they can't turn around and give the job back to him. At the very most, they would have an open competition the following week and make, you know, split the reps again. But if Rippon comes in and upsets the Dolphins of all teams right now, one of the hottest teams in the league, you can't pull him from the game. But the the you know the reverse is also true. What if Locke starts and he beats the Dolphins? Does that exonerate his bad performances? Does he get the rest of the year regardless? It has to go both ways. It has to be fair, no matter what
2: quarterback you're dealing with. I mean, honestly, I think even just an average win wouldn't be enough to to win back the cachet Locke has lost in the fan base and the media at this point. Like he would need to have a Houston Texans Week 14, 2019 caliber. Just dominant performance in order to say to, to to assuage these doubts and misgivings. I mean, people have been hopping off the lock train in Broncos country for the last two weeks since you know really since the since the Chargers game. Even though he came back, they've been jump, jumping off the lock train in droves. And I know there's a large. I don't want to paint with too broad of strokes here because Zach, I know that there are a lot of fans, and it's still probably a, a majority, if only by maybe a slight that still believe in Drew uh, and at the very least want to see Drew finish out this season. But man, it's, it's, it just is what it is. Muhammad jumping in with a super sticker. Appreciate you, my thank friend, you, uh, your support and he is MHH's official merch model. So. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Thank you, Muhammad. As always. Um, Let me see here. Oh, all right. Having a, we're a little disjointed out of sync here with some technical issues freezing up and stuff for, for John. Or so if I come across that question here or that topic that uh, Callie Dave had up, uh, we will throw it back up on the screen. So let me see what we got here from – there he is, Kenneth Booker, the superstar, the birthday boy. It might be belated, but nevertheless, the birthday boy. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, young rosters need a young coach, not an old coach who's stuck in his ways, unwilling to adjust. Also, we need an offensive line before we need a QB. Um, The first part, I agree with you 100%, to be honest with you, Zach, but it's the other way around because the right quarterback makes even the most average offensive lines. You've heard us say it a million times. It's an NFL cliche. The quarterback is the tide that raises all ships. But it has to be an average line to make that work. It can't be a below
3: average line. It certainly can't be an awful line, and it can't be an experience line like what the Broncos are going through. And I, I'm in agreement with you, Kenny, if you're speaking my language here. I think we're starting to see why Fangio was passed up for many years, and he was the defensive coordinator and assistant his entire adult career, his entire adult life. There may be a reason for that. He is very stubborn. He is very stuck in his ways, and his ways don't work. And the longer he keeps cementing
2: that and crystallizing that, he's going to lose the respect and the trust of his players. Ashton says, Locke isn't emotionally resilient enough to handle a head coach like Fangio. He clearly needs someone who isn't such a stubborn old boomer. (laughs) Well, I, I do think that there's right now, look, Drew was more of an Elway pick, but at the same time, he was a Fangio pick. That was Fangio's maiden season. And I do think Fangio has an emotional, um, an emotional, what's the right word for? It? Not attachment, but loyalty to Drew. But it only goes so far because the Broncos are three and six, and at some point, again, we talked about this last night on Wednesday night show. Uh, Self preservation starts coming into effect here when you know you're three and six as a head coach, first time head coach, two years in a row. What does a
3: head coach like Fangio mean? Fangio is the most passive head coach on the sideline. He's not even getting in Locke's face. And I actually agree to – I subscribe to the opposite line of thinking. I think Locke would respond to a a younger guy who would shoo him out. I think they would – if you had a coach that light a fire under his behind, like a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan, I think he would respond to that. Not this older, sullen, ornery, very passive guy who who – bucks his responsibility off to the coordinator and he has no response, you know, no input in the offense. I I think Locke in a younger system, like what Kenneth said with a younger coach, not a stubborn coach. I think he'd respond to that better than Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio, two 60 year
2: old guys. Oh, Janice jumping in to say, I read your article earlier, Chad about what Noah Fant said, backing up Locke. This was something we touched on in last night's pod. We can cover it again just to make sure everyone's on the same page here, but Couldn't agree more with your take on Locke not being the cause of all the issues, but the struggling team bringing him down. That's not exactly what I said. What I said is Drew Locke's struggles are more of a symptom of what's going on with this team more than it is the cause of this team's problems. Now, he's very much a factor in why this team is struggling right now. Drew Locke absolutely shares complicity in this team sitting at 3-6 and right now. And so Janice says, I do appreciate you reading, and I do appreciate you being here with us and, and all that stuff. But I just want to clarify that. But Fant, for those of you who missed it, Fant came out with kind of a like a tight ends serenity prayer on Twitter on Tuesday. Saying <laughs> something to the effect of, you know, control what you can. That's all I'm going to say. And then a, a, a hater or a Twitter troll tagged Drew Locke under Fant's uh, tweet and said something to the effect of, you know, you suck, Drew, and Drew's not the guy. And then Fant came back in underneath that and replied, No, 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 no. That's my quarterback. It was noteworthy. It did, I mean, the article itself did big traffic because it really was Noah Fant. I mean, you can say he was doing his best, ver- you know, his best impression of Terrell Owens, but Noah Fant was, was standing behind his quarterback. He didn't have to reply. I mean, NFL players, once they tweet, they're, they're not expected to. No one thinks they're sitting there going through all their mentions, right? They got a life to live. They're, they're star athletes, they're famous people. But in his case, he chose to make a point to come back in and argue and say, no, 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 Drew's my quarterback for a reason. I I think Janice's premise is correct, though, that it's
3: not all on lock, and he is uh, struggling because of the mishandling and the incompetency around him, whether it be the offensive line or the play calling. But like Chad said, he's also not blameless either. I mean, he takes a lot of responsibility. He's the one on the field. He's the one throwing the picks. He's the one not correcting his footwork. It, it all goes into it. It's like a big uh, pot of stew. And every little ingredient is, is a person, is a culprit in this situation. And there's more than
2: one ingredient that goes into it. Locke is one of them, but there's many others. Uh, real quick, Callie Dave just recently made a big move. And John was just notifying me. Just let me know basically what his comment, he was trying to show. He just made a big move and he's saying, I missed the pod. We've missed you too, Dave. And I hope everything went well with your move back east. And hope you got settled in and whatnot, my friend. Good to see you, and great to have you in the stream. Will brings up something, Zach, that I wanted to get your opinion on here, something that ties into a Shermer remark today. When you only give your 1,000-yard running back, back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher, uh, two years in a row, you, there will be no running game. I guess he means to be right, because he only got four carries, did Philip Lindsay right, in this last game. Now, real quick, Pat Schirmer must have read a Mile High Huddle article must have been listening to the radio. I don't know Well he was ready. All right, and he even said that he goes. I basically, in fact, I'll, let me just do the share screen on how do you get Philip Lindsay more involved. You know what do you got to do real quick? Here's here's what he said so everyone can follow along here. Uh, how can you get Philip Lindsay more involved in the offense? He goes, you can hand it to him. <laughs> Obviously, that's one.
3: And then there's that's opportunity.
2: Not- there's opportunities for him to catch the ball either as a checkdown or as a primary. We had a couple of those opportunities the other night. I was preparing for this, that this might be a question. I think it's good if Philip touches the ball. Oh. What? Dude, get this guy to at NASA because he is a rocket scientist. Okay. What and a mensa what he, candidate. Dude, if he's not gonna go work at NASA, Sherman needs to be <laughs> the brain surgeon we all need. Okay. This is the guy. I think it's good if Philip touches the ball and we'll keep trying to get it to him. So just really very being very dismissive and nonchalant oh. while also betraying how a sensitivity to the issue. Cause he admitted I was preparing for this question and yet he completely plays it down. No, Pat, I get it. Game flow dictated some things toward the end of the game, but, but Zach, the Broncos were in this thing until the end of the third quarter. Then it got out of whack and I get it. You got to throw, 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 but dude, but just bad, if I'm the Denver Broncos today, if I'm Vic Fangio, I'm having a sit down with Pat in the way he managed his his Zoom media availability on Thursday.
3: I, I can't stop shaking my head right now. I did not even see that quote when I was looking through the uh, the email of the quotes. I, I mean, that's either blatantly trolling the media or someone who maybe would knows the writings on the wall. chat. he knows that he's maybe not long for the organization. He has nothing to lose. Uh, but it's it's ultimately a bigger indictment on himself. He's kind of snitching on himself. By saying, I was preparing to get the question as to why you're not giving the best player the ball. I was preparing you guys to ask me why I'm not doing my job correctly. That is Pat Shermer, folks. And I can spend the next hour and a half tearing into this guy. But finally, most of Broncos country is coming around to how ridiculously bad this guy is. Locke hasn't been great this year, but that one quote about Philip Lindsay, who most of us can agree on, he's not a controversial figure like Drew Locke or a player. Philip Lindsay is a really good running back. And if anything else, that should show you it's a fireable offense. I'm not just sitting down with Pat Schumer after saying that. I am firing him. Mike Shula can handle the rest. (laughs) I mean, Jesus, give the best player the ball. You say number one, hand it to him. I hope Broncos fans, you can hate-log all you want, but please do admit that Pat Shermer is the worst offensive coordinator, uh, worse than Musgrave, worse than Mike McCoy, worse than Kubiak was,
2: uh, the the worst in quite a while, I would say. All right, Noah Fant, another guy who has been woefully underutilized. Um, I would say inexcusably so. All right, This is a guy who is not only a former first-round pick, but just based on his skill set alone, has the makings for one, being a top-five receiving tight end in the league. And the way this season started, even though it was lopsided, one half he produced and then disappear and back and forth, he started off this season as an obvious and evident focus in the game plan, even though it was uneven. He was getting attention by way of the ball. Then he's disappeared. Week eight, he gets 10 targets, does no fan, and he has himself a day. The Broncos win the game. Shocker. In the last two weeks combined, Zach, he gets nine targets, adds up to like six receptions and sixty something yards, back to back losses. On whether or not he would like to feature Noah Fant more in the offense, Pat Shermer said, Quote, I think it's good when he catches the ball. We try to we try to be real. We try to each week give him opportunities, and in some weeks it plays out better than others. But I think it's a good thing when he's involved. He's obviously a big piece of the passing game. As well as the run, close quote. Now, Zach. Before I serve this back over to you, let me see if I can find this. It's something to the effect of, well, I'll just paraphrase. He also blamed in large part. Here it is. Here it is. Oh wait, is this it? No, it's not it. But he blamed basically the way this game turned on
4: Noah Fant's holding penalty. That wiped Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.
2: Doff Drew Locke's rushing touchdown at the end of the second quarter, which would have given the Broncos a 13-10 lead heading into halftime. And of course, it didn't play out that way. But again, just very, can you see what I mean about not only being kind of like dejected and down, but passive aggressively being combative with the media?
3: And completely tone deaf. I'm still shaking my head over that Philip Lindsay answer, but this one's right up there. I think it's good when he catches the ball. (laughs) I think it's good when my former first round tight end, who's my second best pass catcher on the team right now, behind an injured Cortland Sutton catches the ball. And this coming from the guy who ignored him in the whole second half of the season opener. Wow. Um, I am truly, Chad, for one of the rare times in my life, speechless as to the ineptitude that he's projecting. It's one thing to even say, uh, to think these things or to call plays with this reasoning in mind. For him to come out and say these words publicly, the
2: fact that we're reading it on the screen right now is baffling to me. On why the run game hasn't been effective in recent weeks and what the Broncos can do differently. Ooh. Quote, I think it's important when we run the ball that we make yards. I think that keeps us out of those long yardage situations. Again, guys, why is this dude not working in NASA? We had some good runs the other day, but we didn't have enough of them. I think it's fair to say in a couple of the games in the last month, as the score stretches out, things change. We've got to do more early in the game to keep it in a run pass situation. Had the game ended at halftime 13-10, I think our field position was a little bit better. It just didn't play out that way then we come out in the second half and we have a 3 and out which is unfortunate. We've got to avoid that as well. But anyways, I believe that in running the football and I think it's something that we need to do more and better. So why aren't you Pat? Did I wish the quote was still there? Did he say I think it's good when we can
3: make yards was oh, that sorry. The-
2: yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Well, I just, I, back just back. Wanna, I just
3: want to, I just want to, you know, slam him some more because I can't believe I'm reading. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. I feel like I'm dreaming right now. I think it's important when we run the ball that we make yards, and yet he doesn't run the ball or make yards. I, I nothing more, Chad. Back to
2: you. <laughs> back to you. Oh man! All right, Will Thacker jumping in. Yeah, I literally can't <laughs> breathe. Yeah, I know. Wow! Again. Wow. Tone-deaf, that's a good way to put it. You, can you be that tone-deaf, though, and be a two-time former NFL head coach? Fire.
3: Two-time
2: fired head coach. True, true. This guy knows which way the wind blows. Is This is either the tonality and remarks of a offensive coordinator who knows he's unfireable because Vic Fangio made a huge controversial move and he's tied to the hip, hitched his star, they're together – or it's a guy that just knows, look, this didn't work out for me here, and I can see the writing on the wall, so I'm imploding before your very eyes. I don't know which one it is. If he wants a job
3: in the NFL, he's not going about it the right way. If, even if he wants to leave the – is he following Nigel Bradham's lead, Chad? Is he just walking away from Denver? I I literally cannot believe he actually said those words out loud. It's like I'm reading a parody account, like one of those fake Ian Rappaport accounts on Twitter. That's like the fake
2: you know, Pat I, I That's wild. I can't believe that. Tom, again, we talked about this. This Shermer had the chance today to emphatically throw his support behind this embattled, beleaguered young quarterback that needs it, to be honest with you. Even if Drew's not the guy for the future, right now he needs the faith, support, belief of his co- offensive coaches. Shermer not only did he not do that, he just avoided the question. And, yeah, he's made some strides, but, you know, we got to do better. This is not good enough. <sighs> Tom says Shermer was asked if Drew's the guy, and he didn't say anything. Translation: No. Shermer's throwing Locke under the bus. Thanks, guys. I think that's the appropriate interpretation here. Is that Shermer's driving the bus, not just throwing him under it? <laughs> While I don't know, Antonio, appreciate the super chat, my dog. Good to see you. Thank you. Cute, uh, cute little doggy you got there in your profile pic. Do you guys know who would be a good OC candidate for next year? I'll be very disappointed if we stick with Shermer for the future. Happy to catch my favorite pod hashtag Broncos Country. Thank you, Zach. The only way I see a different coordinator is if there's a different head coach. So, who are some names? I don't know. We're so we're so many moves away from that being a, a real consideration. I mean, honestly, there is, as much as we're clowning Shermer, what makes this? I mean, he'd be clowning himself. Let's let's be frank. But as much as we're pointing out how much he be clowned himself. What can't get lost in the shuffle is what makes this it's just all the worse is the fact that the Broncos do need offensive continuity. Let's just, again, like we've been saying the last few weeks, John always got one more year left on his deal. Von Miller's got one more year left on his deal. Vic Fangio's here as long as John's here. And you need continuity at offensive coordinator. You need, I mean, if you moved on from from Pat Shermer and let's say you pass the baton to Mike Shula, it would need to be some, it would need to be the same offense because you can't continue to spit new offensive coordinators in and out on a year in and year out basis and expect to have any change in the weather here. I mean, guys, yes, I understand fans are so tired of the inconsistencies on offense and the impotence and the failures, but it correlates Zach, the turnover. There's no consistency. There's, no foundation, and that's why it makes it all the worse that that Pat Shermer just seems to be like just checking out here
3: <laughs> in front of our very eyes. He is, yeah. If you have Locke as a starting quarterback next year, it's hard to change another coordinator and, and swap, you know, three different guys out in his first three years. I mean, that's that's a tough ask for him. Uh, one name that comes to mind for me is Kellen Moore, but he, that would be a lateral move. You have to make him the head coach and Joe Brady, uh, in Carolina, a lot of young minds out there. I haven't been watching college too much to see what's out there. Um, but I'd rather Locke call plays for himself than Pat Shermer be the offensive coordinator. I, I mean, you, if I understand continuity, I understand chemistry and that's important, but when you have a coach as incompetent as Pat Shermer, who's not afraid to admit it now, that's doing a lot more harm than bringing a new system in, then destroying the continuity. There's no continuity anyway, Chad. They didn't get any continuity this offseason anyway. They lost all their reps. So it's not like you're losing much if you fire Pat Shermer. I, I just, I don't see the, 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 the gain of keeping him
2: around at all. Beto wants to know, guys, will the Broncos wait until after 2021 to clean house? I do think so. I think if you're putting odds on it, you know, it's the safest bet would be to say nothing changes at the executive level and the co- head coaching level until after 2021. Zach, this was something uh, John and I were talking about right before you hopped on before we went live, and that is that let's say maybe the Broncos win one more game. They finish this season four and twelve, which would match their all time worst season, right? Which was what got them Vaughn Miller in 2011 because they finished four and twelve in 2010. What I could see happening the worst I could see happening before the end of 2021 is John Elway. Because, right, end of the season, it's always a Sunday game. The next day we call it Black Monday, right, because head coaches across the league, that's when they get fired. Garbage bag day. John Elway schedules his end-of-season presser that following Monday afternoon, and if there's a head coach that gets fired, that coach gets fired in the morning and it's just John standing up there. If that coach survived, then he's up there with John in the end-of-season presser if they have a season if this season plays out the way it, it's at right now i could see john i'm not predicting this but here's how i could see a change potentially coming no one fires themselves especially a competitor like john Elway. but i could see him standing up there and saying guys i just feel like something needs to shift something needs to change i want to see this thing out this is a team i built this is you know my head coach these are my players but I am going to take a step back. I'm, going to, I'm just going to be the, the team football executive. I'm going to be the top football executive, the president of football operations, which he is. And I'm going to bring in a GM to run the day-to-day, to you know make the, the free agent acquisitions. I'll sign off on everything, but it's his decision. Make the draft picks, et cetera, et cetera. That's the most I could see happening, Zach, to be frank, before 2021. It's just the, that's just the score.
3: Yeah, I, I think the likelier outcome, because they're not going to blow everything up with so much up in the air this year. They did not not even know how good they could have been uh, in a best-case scenario without the injuries and the pandemic. Uh, after the 2021 season, as the question posits, I can for sure see the Broncos cleaning house because Elway <laughs> LA won't be under contract. might have a new GM. That new, new GM would always bring in his new coach, his own players. So yes, it might be a little more status quo next year. You'll have a scapegoat like Tom McMahon, but you maybe have Pat Schirmer back. You'll have Vic Fangio back, maybe Drew Locke back, but all bets are off after that. If there's going to be a house cleaning, and I think there should be sooner than later, I think after the next season would be the
2: most likely. Flippant wants to know, good to see you, by the way. Do we see Drew improve this week? If Drew starts and plays, what do you expect to see? Because this, we're at a point here you know, We haven't even discussed what's your pick for this game. Like, No one's even asked us who wins the game. No one's expecting the Broncos to beat the Dolphins with a rookie quarter. Cor- I get it. They've been good, and Brian Flores looks like Elway missed the boat on another young up-and-coming. Even though he's a defensive guy, he's doing a great job in Miami. But nevertheless, no one's even asked us, hey, do the Broncos win this game? Everyone's written this off as another loss. But, Zach, does Drew, if he starts, and I do expect him to start, how does he play? What do you see unfolding for Drew this week, if you have a bold prediction or any kind of foresight on this? It would be good if Drew Locke played well this week, to put
3: it in Pat Shermer speak. <laughs> I, I think if Drew Locke played well, it'd be good for the Broncos. That's my answer. You know what, though? Um, I think for the foreseeable future, I want to see how Locke responds because this is his already his rock-bottom moment, and he this is uncharted territory for him. So I'm really not going to make any larger predictions. I'll say that for my Roundtable article that's coming out. Uh, tomorrow at mylyhuddle.com. It it's improvement is all it's so it's so subjective, it's so opinionated. If he throws three touchdowns and no picks, is that an improvement? If he doesn't throw a pick, if he doesn't get benched, is that what is the barometer here? What's the bar here? I'd like to see Locke play a full game. I like to see him lead the offense, but even if he does, can you really count on the offensive line then? Can you really count on Pat Shermer, who seems like he's completely on another planet right now? So it, it's tough to judge Locke on that premise. I want to see him play a full game and get the, the reps that he needs to get. What he does in the game, whatever happens is going to happen. I know it's a cop-out, but I'll have more on Sunday afternoon.
2: I hear you, Albert. Can you be a coach and a an excrement at the same time? I mean, <laughs> Poop I, I understand why fans feel that way. Um, but just to, to for my own answer for Flippin' Booch, I don't know what to expect from Drew Lock on a on a week to week basis. I'd be lying to you if I if I could if I told you right now I have any confident bead on not only how this team is going to play on a on a give on a game in game out basis, but how Drew is going to play. Like he has been so erratic, so up in the air. I do now have to question his emotional wherewithal in terms of not that he not immature, but just in terms of Do you have that the resilience that it takes to dig yourself out of a hole like this? I don't know. And what I've seen the last few weeks is not encouraging. So I don't have an answer for you. Anything would just be just like Zach said. Anything I could say in terms of what to expect from Drew on Sunday when he starts, if he starts, it would be completely shooting from the hip. I have no clue. I'll be frank. I just don't. Lawrence, appreciate the super chat, my friend. And thank you. That's a name we don't recognize, Zach, on Super Chat. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Make sure you reach out and connect with us on Twitter, Lawrence, so that we can shout you out. Thank you after this show. What's the best teacher at quarterback for Locke as a plug-and-play quarterback for Locke to learn behind if we trade Vaughn in a first-rounder? So, I mean, I don't know about that second thing about trading Vaughn, um, but it, a veteran to come in and, I, I don't know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, are you gonna go down that road again? Are you gonna convince yourself if you're John Elway that you're one middle of the road quarterback away from winning it all again? I mean, it's just a tired, worn out trope. The Broncos need an answer at quarterback and it can't be a regurgitated retread. It's either Drew Locke or the next guy in the draft. And it's the, the real question here, Zach, is you know, we'll find out about Drew. By the time the season's over, we'll know. But the real question is do you trust John Elway if it's not Drew to to, to select that next quarterback at this point? Right. Yeah. Look, I'm a kid that grew up with John Elway posters on my wall. All right, I'm a guy. I even though I'm media, and I and and you know, Mile High Huddle is a, is a, probably does the most traffic of any Broncos website on the internet. I still understand exactly what every fan has connection-wise with John Elway and that faith and that belief. But I I don't have it anymore, and that turned off for me as as media quite a while ago. But as the fan, deep down. I don't trust that John Elway can get can can be the guy to to accurately select the next quarterback unless you sell the farm and go get Trevor Lawrence. That to me is it's a can't miss. That's the only thing I would trust of John Elway making another quarterback pick.
3: Well, before we get to this question, I, I want to just say if they trade for a court and we've been, um, I, I'm sure you've gotten the same things. I've gotten questions on Twitter about Matt Stafford trading for him. Um, I've heard Deshaun Watson, which would be incredible. But if they make these trades, absorbing the huge contract, giving up a first round pick, I don't think it would cost Von Miller beat me a couple firsts and a couple seconds. Lock wouldn't matter then. If you trade for Deshaun Watson or Matt Stafford, your your lock is no longer in the equation. You might keep him around because he's cheap, but he's no longer your quarterback of the future. So if they make a move here for another quarterback, that's not anything above a Ryan Fitzpatrick would signal that the Broncos have turned the page on Drew Locke. And to answer Kenneth's question here, thank you so much, Kenneth, by the way for your donation. Should we break the bank on Dak and overpay? This is the only guy, Chad, on the free agent market who I'd be okay the Broncos – giving market value to and market value would be at least 37.7, the price of his franchise tag for next year. Do I think he's going to leave Dallas? No, but this guy is a hell of a quarterback. He's still ascending into his prime. He can single handedly win you games and you put a healthy Dak on a healthy Broncos team with this defense, they win 10 or 11 games. So among the, uh, the veteran options that may be out there next year, that is the only guy I'm personally okay with Elway going back to his old ways for regardless. I like to see a younger guy, They have the right mindset, Chad, with Drew Locke on the younger train, but he might not be the guy. They have
2: to keep swinging until they hit that home run. If it's not Drew and they're going to draft another quarterback moving on from Drew, I just don't trust Elway to do it unless it's it's Lawrence. So if if Elway wants to go give up a couple of of first-rounders and a couple of twos, look, I'm ready to rubber stamp that because I do think that there's enough depth and talent offensively and defensively, especially with a defensive-minded head coach, that you could, you could thrive for that two years in which you're mortgaging the future. You hear that that phrase thrown around, if the guy is Trevor Lawrence. Zeus, again, off wow. the top rope, just showing such generosity. We love you, bro. Amazing. appreciate you so much. You don't have to do that. We're about to wrap it up, and he top ropes and just does the Zeus thing. He says, if we continue to get worse as a team, any thoughts on Fangio's tenure as head coach? Or does he get a bye due to all the injuries and having the challenges we've had this yeah. year? I think that's the overall view. Even if the Broncos don't win another game this year, I'll be frank with you. I think the the view from 10,000 feet, maybe Joe Ellis doesn't share this view, and that would be interesting to see how that shakes out come end of December, early January. But I think the view from inside the building is that, look, we're just making – we're trying to make some lemonade here. We got served some lemons. This was outside Vic's control, all these injuries, the pandemic – You know, we just got to get through this year. We still think we have the horses at the coaching level. We have the horses, you know, once we get our healthy guys, our, our guys back healthy, I don't see that Fangio. I mean, unless every game was like the Raiders game where you're getting blown out and embarrassed and multiple turnovers and the defense giving up 30 plus, then that's a clear sign that this dude just like, he's just lost complete control. He can't competently compete with anybody. If that's the message then, you know, maybe, but I just don't see it. I think the Broncos will, even if they turn the page on Drew and go to Brett, Rippen's solid enough to at least keep you competitive while while Fangio's defense kind of irons out kinks and works things out. So, Stu, to answer your question, I really don't expect Fangio to 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 be fired or jettisoned after this season. I just I really don't see it.
3: I don't I I put it at like 85/15. I think 85%, I think Fangio is safe. And for the reasons you said, said, Stu, I think because of the pandemic and the injuries, I think he gets a a reprieve, the quarterback play. But Chad, here's the thing, and you can talk about the pandemic and the problems they face, but every team went through that. There's a lot of good teams in the NFL right now, including the Steelers, who are undefeated. The problem is, it's one thing not to make lemonade with the lemons, but when you're taking the lemons and smash it against your head and you're having no idea what you're doing, that is the bigger problem. So even if Fangio comes back next year, I think he's or he might lay enough breadcrumbs that tell us I am not the right head coach for this team. I am not head coach material. So even if he comes back next year, we might know the book on Vic Fangio. Great defensive mind, not a great head coach.
2: I think that's already the book. Let's be frank. Like yeah. if, if Vic was going to if Vic had it in him to be a truly great head coach, we we would already have that answer. Let's be frank. All right. And you can argue, look. No first-time head coach can come in and be expected to, to to win without a settled quarterback situation. But at the same time, you know, you had a highly drafted quarterback. You had the chance here to really make some, hay. I mean, look, Drew Locke 4-1 and one down the stretch last year with Rich Scangarello, that was Vic Fangio's call to fire Rich, okay? So yeah. he has to answer for that. He's He has to, you know, that onus falls on him. The buck stops with Vic on that decision. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. I agree though. That's 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 a good way to, to couch it. Eighty five fifteen. David Kilgore, last one here, and then we're going to dip out for tonight. It's good to see you, David. I haven't seen you in a huddle up podcast stream for a while, been a few days at least. But we always love seeing DK in the house. Rocky K seventy seven on Twitter. Good to see you, bro. And still one of our favorite YouTube profile pics out there with the football priest hat and the MHH face mask. You look good, buddy. He says, would you guys not even – would you guys not even back getting Rodgers? So would you support – Jake Rodgers
3: because you're not getting Aaron Rodgers. That's not – David, it's not happening. I I know they made that that Jordan Love pick, but he's playing amazing ball right now. They finally have a great head coach for his skill set in Matt LaFleur. Um, And even if, okay, even if he's available, he's what, 36, 37 now? He has a a ginormous contract. You're only getting a few years max from him, and then what? And then there's no guarantee he's going to play the same as he's playing in Green Bay. So it's a pipe dream completely. He's not leaving Green Bay, I don't think, and the Broncos certainly aren't uh, acquiring him at the cost and the the short-term ramifications of him coming to Denver.
2: David, it's good to see you, my friend. It really is. Hope you're doing well. Hope everything's going okay on your end. Yeah, Rodgers turns 37 in December for what it's worth. And uh, turns 37 I mean, next month, so he'll be 38 next year. You'll be remiss. You would be remiss if you were the Packers. And I know you just drafted Love and turned the page. You'd be remiss because you're crushing it right now as a team. Mm-hmm. But, gang, thank you so much for joining us here tonight on the Mile High Mailbag episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We've had a blast, as always, a Mile High salute to our Super Chat superstars, I mean, Zeus and Poppy tonight off the top rope, and each yeah. and every one of you, thank you for your support on Super Chat. It really does allow us to commit the time and focus and energy to creating this content, providing this content for you and for everybody else. So thank you so much. And to each one of you who gave us some time tonight, love you, appreciate you, and uh, keep your chin up. You know, we, we have some really interesting uh, storylines that are up in the air that are going to be resolved in the next seven weeks. And it's just going to be fun at this stage. You know, you throw your hands up in the air and say, Hey, let's just see how these chips fall. It's going to be fun. It's like Noah Fant said, you know, the tight end serenity prayer, something to the effect of God grant me the will, the ability to, to accept the things I can't change and the whatever the, you know, recognize the difference, whatever it is. I just blew it, but still. Just enjoy the ride. It's going to be fun to see how all these things play out. But Zach and I, we've had a great week here on the podcast, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Real quick, Zach, I want to serve this over to you to uh, sign us off for tonight, but let me just remind everybody real quick, follow the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, also the main account, at MileHighHuddle. Don't forget to get your uh, week of risk-free sports betting at SportsBetting.com, $1,000. Go check that out, SportsBetting.com slash MileHighHuddle. And then check out the merch store, gang. Get your swag on. Get a hat, get a tee. Support the cause here at MHH. And before you dip on out, like this video, you guys, and share it out there. If we did a good job for you tonight, share it out there. That's how we know.
3: Yeah, serenity now, Chad. Serenity now. That's what we have to uh That's our, that's our, our motto going forward. But regardless, when we see you guys next, which will be Sunday afternoon at halftime, and we have a question, Chad, about the live stream for this game. We're not going to be doing a live stream for the upcoming game. That we still have that Chad. We'll have more information on that for those that are interested. It's not going to be Sunday, but we will be doing that soon. But regardless whether Lock starts or and then and likely invent that Brett Ripon starts, we're going to have some storylines to break down on Sunday. It's going to be an action-packed halftime street. And we'll see you guys after the game on Sunday. So looking forward to it, Chad. As always. All
2: right, guys. For Zach Kelroom, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you Sunday. Don't forget, you got Dove Valley Deep Divers tomorrow night and Mile High Insiders on Saturday. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. We'll see you on Sunday.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.